Well, as Ron has already alluded to, we're going to begin 1 Peter this morning. And I've been encouraging you to be reading that and going through it in different translations, so I continue to do that. But um, as we go through it, I'm going to be following a major theme through the book, but there's things that I won't be covering. And so I just encourage you to, as I go along, look for the things that I'm missing, the topics that I don't cover, and uh, let God speak to you through that. The plight of the early Christians was often harsh. Uh, they were mocked. They lacked civil rights. They were thrown to the lions, covered in uh, fresh, bloody animal skins, and then thrown to starving dogs. Some of them were tied to stakes, uh, covered with tar or pitch, and then lit on fire to serve as a human torch at parties. Others were beheaded. Some were crucified. Others were driven from their homes, uh, losing homes, family, uh, their, their businesses, everything they had, uh, left to wander homeless in a society that rejected them. Some of them ended up living in caves, depending on others to bring them food. Some were tied to horses and dragged to death. Others were hanged. Some were killed in large groups and their bodies dumped into mass graves. Others were whipped, poisoned, raped, prayed it naked to hum humiliate them starved, tortured, sold as slaves. And often they were faced with this choice, abandon Christ and sacrifice to the emperor and to the Roman gods, and you'll go free. Or you're going to face the consequences. And so it's in this context that First Peter is written, written to Christians who were scattered throughout the empire and were being persecuted, were suffering many different kinds of persecution. And they weren't yet, at the time of the writing, they weren't yet facing the worst of the persecution. At this time, persecution was scattered throughout the empire. And so often the persecution depended on the local authorities and how they viewed Christians. But as time went on, that persecution just became more widespread and organized, becoming systemic within the Roman system, until finally one of the Roman empires actually sought to remove all Bibles. He wanted to so that there wasn't a Bible left in the world, and he thought he had done it, and he wanted to destroy all the Christians. And so the context is suffering. And Peter's trying to bring hope into their lives. And so the question is, is the book relevant for today? Does it still speak? You might be, as I go through that list of things they suffered, you might be saying, well, we aren't suffering like that. That doesn't apply to us. Well, no, there are places on this world where they are suffering like that. But we're not yet suffering like that here in our society. Not to that extent. But persecution is growing. It's no longer just an isolated country problem out there where some countries isolating or persecuting. But it's actually becoming systemic in the whole world system. And in Canada, our freedoms are rapidly eroding as Christians. We actually have few rights and freedoms left unless you agree with and support what is called the woke radical left agenda. 
And the woke agenda is daily in the news as teachers, parents, and others speak up against it. More and more we see them facing a barrage of hate. They face being canceled. They're not allowed to speak and often being fired and being fined. And some have even been arrested and thrown into prison if they've spoken up. Yes, that's in our own country. Earlier this winter, we saw a 16-year-old Josh from a Catholic school in Ontario being arrested for his views. And it all started with the school had decided that they were going to allow biological boys into the girls' washroom. And he spoke up and he said, that's wrong, that's not safe for the girls. And in that discussion, this is in his words, he said, I said that there were only two genders and you're born either a male or a female and that got me into trouble. And then I said that gender doesn't trump biology. Now that view, which is a Catholic view, got him into trouble in a Catholic school. First, for, first he was expelled and then eventually he was arrested. Parents, as they've been concerned about these things, they've been canceled and even arrested as they've insisted on teaching their children their God-given gender according to biology. Teachers and health professionals have been fired for speaking out on that issue. It's become so that professionals are often afraid to speak out. Recently, a school board trustee of an Ontario Catholic school said that white Christian males are the most dangerous creatures on the planet. They're a threat to anyone who is not them. And then she went on to say that white women are obedient soldiers for Christo-fascist patriarchy. In other words, what she's saying is if you're a Christian, you're a fascist. And you're the most dangerous people in Canada. Now there was a huge protest against her and uh, the parents uh, took this to the school board. And, and, but the school board, for some time, they stood firm standing behind her. Finally, it just came out in the news on Friday that eventually they had taken a stand against her and she'd apologized for her remarks. But this past week, another Catholic school board had to call the police as they were making the decision they were going to fly the, great, the pride flags in all their schools. And the parents protested. And the school board council had to call the police. And those who wanted to fly the flag are telling the media that they've never faced such hate before. And that's a standard answer. If you oppose them with your Christian views, you're hateful. Now, Prime Minister Trudeau shares this view. In 2019, he told Pastor Steve Long that evangelical Christians are the worst part of Canadian society. And he's effectively purged from the Liberal Party all who would stand for Christian values. Rex Murphy, writing about these things in the National Post, his headline, he headlined his article with, In Justin Trudeau's World, Christians Need Not Apply. So no, we're not facing suffering like in some places uh, such as Nigeria, where almost weekly there's reports of Christians being killed. 
We're not facing that. And in many ways, Canada is still a good place to live. But the suffering that Christians are facing is growing. Christians are being marginalized. They're being depicted as hateful and depicted as the reason for society's problems. And the end result of that kind of rhetoric will be increased persecution. And so I believe that 1 Peter does have something to say to us. But 1 Peter is not just written to those who are being persecuted. Suffering happens in so many forms. And God doesn't waste your suffering, no matter what the cause is. God doesn't waste your suffering. And so the principles and the hope that Peter is offering applies to all situations of suffering. And so often where our suffering comes from is simply because we're being hard-pressed by the world system. We're out of sync with the world. And so Peter says we're actually strangers in this world. And Peter knew from personal experience what it was to be out of sync with the world. He knew what it was to suffer threats. He knew what it was to be beaten and whipped <clears throat> and to be thrown in prison. And he knew what it was to go through all of those things without bitterness, without losing hope, and in the midst of that to live a victorious life. So Peter's writing from personal experience here. And so as he writes from that, he's encouraging us to focus on our living hope. We have a great future in front of us. And so Peter encourages us to look to the example of how Christ suffered and to follow that example. Peter reveals to us that in times of desperation, those are times to rejoice because it's a privilege to suffer for Christ. He encourages us to live as strangers in a world that is going to cause us suffering, in a world that will seek to make us compromise. Because if you're out of sync with the world, if you're going to be a stranger in this world, you will suffer. He talks about that in 1 Peter 4. He said, of course your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. Or another translation says they heap abuse on you. And Jesus actually promised that to us. You will face suffering because you love him and they don't. The world doesn't love Jesus. So Peter seeks to move our minds off of our trials to our hope to living out faith in a practical way. And so you can come up with various themes throughout the book. But the theme that ties them all together, that gives understanding to it all, is the theme that we're strangers in this world. And so Peter's answering that question, how do we live out the gospel in a world that, where we do not fit? In a world that's foreign to us, in a world that is often hostile to us, in a world that will bring suffering and trials, and his answer to that is to live as strangers. Through Peter, we'll learn that that gives us actually hope and courage. Talk about an upside-down thinking, isn't it? Because to live as strangers will bring you suffering. But it's the very living as strangers that will bring you hope and courage. And so we'll learn how that teaches us how to live. So I just want to look at that thought of being strangers in the world for a moment here. And Peter begins his book that way. 
He says to God's elect strangers in the world. This is who I'm writing to, he's saying. I'm writing to all the strangers in the world. If you're a stranger in this world, then this book is for you. Verse uh, 17 of chapter 1, he says, Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. And so strangers is who we are, and strangers is how we're to live. Chapter 2, verse 11, he says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And so he's saying, thirdly, strangers has practical implications in your life. This is how we overcome. By living as strangers. And so we're to live differently from the world. We're to have different values, different goals, different desires. We're to think differently. You know, I think we've all experienced that many times. I want to just go back when I was working on you know, for an electrical company. And sometimes the crew, they'd go out at lunchtime to the bar, a stripper bar. And then they'd come back in the afternoon and they'd discuss what they had been watching. Talk about being a stranger there. You can't partake. It's out of sync with them. But you know, it's out of sync with them so many different ways. A couple of them were rewiring their homes. They bought old homes and uh, they were rewiring them. Every night, they would just take a few items home. The boss knew they were doing it. He just passed that on the bill to whatever job was happening. But it's theft. When it came coffee break time, it was normal for them to break for coffee a half hour early. One day they made a joke and they said, you know, you make us look bad because I couldn't join in. But you know, out of that came opportunities because they were curious, why are you different? And they would ask the questions and we'd have those conversations. You see, the world should be noticing that we are strangers. They should be noticing that we're out of sync with them. Because we are out of sync. We are strangers in this world. We're foreigners, exiles, aliens, sojourners. We're not to think of this as our home. We're not to consider ourselves as a native of this world. But rather this is a brief place in a foreign place. And it's temporary. And so Peter says, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. Abstain from sinful desires. Why? Because you are aliens and strangers. And so he's telling us that this view of yourself as a stranger becomes a foundational truth that leads to, leads to behavioral changes. It's a foundational truth that if you will follow it, brings hope to your life. If you want to be in sync with this world, that will never leave you to, lead you to hope. It never will. 2 Corinthians 5 and Colossians chapter 1 tells both those passages, say your hope 
and your home is heaven. And that truth is totally to change how we live because if your hope and your home is in heaven, you will live to please Jesus. And so we're to keep ourselves loosely attached to this world because we're living for something that's much better that is coming. And we're living for someone that's far better. Now that doesn't mean you withdraw from this world or you don't get involved. But it does mean that we're going to view all the circumstances and all the people through the light of eternity. It's only in the light of eternity that the true value of anything can be measured. And if you only remember one thing this morning, take that one home. It's only in the light of eternity that the true value of anything can be measured. And so we're to live like people who've been chosen by God. We're to live like a royal priesthood, Peter tells us. We're to live as a separate holy nation within our nation. We're to live like a people belonging to God we're to live no longer be living in darkness, but to be living in his wonderful light. To live like we're the people of God who have received mercy. That is our identity. And we must understand our identity, who we are. Because if you don't understand your identity of who you are, you will live like a citizen of this world. And we'll despair. Because when you try to live as a citizen of this world, because you're a believer, the world will reject you and cause you to suffer. So Peter's lesson for us, it's in our identity as strangers in this world that we can find hope, comfort, and motivation to live holy lives. It's through our identity as strangers in this world that we can actually rejoice in our sufferings. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this book. I thank you that you moved Peter to write it. And it is just so practical for where we are today in this world. So as we move through it, I just pray that we will find hope. That we will find joy as Peter intended us to do so. That we'll find courage to carry on. And I pray that our perspective will be changed. I pray this in Jesus' name.